Hi there, this is Tom Fries. I'm a contributor to the Arctic Institute, and I'm also the primary content editor for futurechallenges.org, a website run by the Bertelsmann Foundation in Gütersloh, Germany. I spoke with Jason Meyer, who works at the Alaska Center for Energy and Power, at the Arctic Frontiers Conference in Tromsø, Norway. Jason works particularly with developmental technologies that may be useful for powering Alaska's remote communities. He told me how his interest in this area began in the South Pacific, far from the frozen north, and how the complexity of intellectual property law makes his job both fascinating and challenging. The interview follows, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Yep. Uh, so my name is Jason Meyer. Um, I live in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I lived there most of my life, uh, done my schooling there and such. So it's um, I've been there about 20, 25 years now, mm -hmm. so in Alaska. Growing up, uh, you know, I was pretty affected by the oil industry. I mean, my father was in it, and it's kind of what everyone eats and breathes and lives up there. Um, so I did my undergraduate in um, chemical engineering from the uh, Colorado State University. And originally, I was really interested in uh, petroleum engineering. So going back to Alaska, working with oil and gas companies um, for development. I, after my education, I was a Peace Corps volunteer um, in the South Pacific, and that experience really—I mean, it had a, obviously a profound effect just because of the you know nature of the service and such. But I really got interested into uh, like remote and community uh, energy needs and generation solutions, and you know its its role in economic development and such. So uh, when I got back, I. I got a master's in public policy from the uh, Harvard Kennedy School focused on energy policy in particular. And then I uh, returned to Alaska. I was working with a, um, there's a, a federal agency based in Alaska. It's an ind independent federal agency known as the Denali Commission. And they primarily focus on rural Alaska infrastructure development. And for me, it was just a, a great, uh, it was just a one-year fellowship there, but uh, primarily focused on energy needs, rural, uh, re renewable energy solutions for a lot of Alaska's uh, really remote uh, communities. And then after that experience, I transitioned to the uh, Alaska Center for Energy and Power at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. They're an applied energy research center uh, focused on community scale and industrial scale power generation primarily. We don't, we're technology neutral as well as resource neutral. So it could be renewable non-renewable sources, anything from uh, wind technology to geothermal to coal to liquids. So we really try to um, maintain a broad focus. Uh, and our role um, as an applied energy research center is to uh, investigate uh, technologies, uh, propose methodologies, solutions, um, test them in their relevant environment, uh, provide uh, feedback, data collection, analysis on that technology, um, working with the, uh, if it's the state or the, um, the federal government or the private sector in terms of uh, how that technology could work in the future. So where, uh, so you said you did your Peace Corps in the South Pacific, mm -hmm. where specifically and like what, how, why did that get you interested in rural power generation? Yeah, so I was based in uh, the country of Vanuatu, which is uh, it's a Melanesian country in between Fiji and Solomon Islands, uh, New Caledonia, uh, Papua New Guinea area. Um, my posting was 
it's an understatement to say it was remote. It was extremely remote. So there's no road access, no no air access. It it was literally a five hour hike up a river. Uh, it was it was a pretty profound experience. The community was uh, totally a uh, subsistence based community. So they hunted and they gathered and they farmed um, for all their food and all their needs. The the fuel they used, I mean, it was just uh, like wood, wood fuel for cooking, biomass and such. And it was also a really small community, so about 90 people. And I think when you're living in a really small community, it's easy to see cause and effect, um, right. kind of the ties of society. Yeah. And for me, uh, the role of energy was really clear in terms of health, health. Uh, education so uh you know children basically you go to school and you can't study past a certain time because there's a light yeah. economic development was huge uh, not having access to like higher forms of energy in terms of like what they could do so anyway it was just a, uh for me it was just a really profound experience just in the role of energy in in community and in society and then uh the community itself was really fortunate uh, to be near a lot of potential energy sources, uh, river, um, they had, uh, you know, other solar, for instance. And to that point, there hadn't been a lot of focus on like energy development in the country. It's interesting. I mean, people aren't dying of starvation or, you know, really poorly off. I mean, it's a very happy country and it's, you know, it's very, um, even though they're very poor and such, it's not a, uh, it's, not comparable to like a lot of African countries. So internationally, there's not a lot of focus really on like energy security, you know, development of energy. But uh, there were uh, a couple initial projects there looking at like solar for schools. And uh, so anyway, that just kind of initial work was really intriguing to me. So, um, and then from the Alaska context, it was really, really uh, similar to uh, like a lot of our rural communities. Um, uh, a lot of the challenges are identical in terms of logistics, um, transportation issues, uh, you know, just it, it, it's a lot of real similarities. Mm -hmm. So uh, where do you work now and what do you do there specifically? Yeah, so um, I work at the Alaska Center for Energy and Power. We're uh, an applied energy research uh, center based at the um, University of Alaska Fairbanks. We have an office in Fairbanks, our primary office and laboratories, uh, and then we have a field office in Fa uh, Anchorage, where I work. My primary role is managing uh, an emerging energy technology program. So we deploy and uh, assess new technologies um, that are being introduced to Alaska or being developed in Alaska. Mm -hmm. uh, Emerging energy technology is a really exciting area of uh, opportunity for the state, primarily because traditionally energy solutions are kind of imported from other areas, the lower 48 or internationally, and then tried to you try to fit them to your conditions, and it, it just never works out well. Uh, so the the goal of the emerging energy technology program is to uh, develop new technologies within their relevant environment. So uh, you know demonstrating whatever your new concept is or idea is. And then the key point is you're not funding projects per se, you're funding information generation. So you demonstrate a technology or projects, what have you, and you take those lessons learned and 
you prioritize those. So you disseminate them, you make them available to the public, to the, the government, future funders, as well as the industry. Um, and hopefully that feedback uh, allows for kind of refinement of the technology, making it more applicable to other areas in the state. And then uh, the ultimate goal is kind of bringing it up to a commercial scale level. So you, then you could buy it off the shelf and right. apply it throughout the state. So in your work, what's what's the sort of most complex, thorny challenge that you face at this point? Not in a logistical sense, but in terms of the content of your job. What's the most complex and difficult aspect of it? Yeah, it's more of a subtle issue, but it has to do specifically with intellectual property and proprietary information. Sure. It's it's very it's actually really difficult to deal with in technology development. Primarily, in, in our case, because we're very adamant of the information generated being public information, but it's just kind of the the, un, the underlying philosophy of the whole program. So the, the difficulty is then uh, working with patented technology or people seeking to patent technology and how you um, reconcile their need for protection and privacy of their technology, but at the same time, the the goals of the program, which is, you know, information ge generation from demonstration projects. So that's actually been a really challenging issue. Uh, it's become more of a case-by-case -case issue. And the further complexity is it, it typically the rights of the developer, the manufacturer, is dependent on the funding source. So the rights of, uh, come from? yeah, the rights of small businesses are different under like a federal funding source versus a state funding right. source yeah, of course. and uh, the goals of the two funding sources might differ as well so you know your state entity might be looking to s develop intellectual property or right. uh, it's not the case in this the scenario but it, it often is uh, and furthermore the university itself is also in the business of developing intellectual property and you know methodologies and concepts so there's a lot of parties involved that typically have conflicting interests or competing interests, but you're all trying to be good partners and, you know, meeting the goals of the program while protecting everyone's right. So when you look at the Arctic for the years ahead, what do you see as the greatest challenge? Uh, what issue do you think is going to be most intractable and difficult to solve? Yeah, that, that's a really great qu question. The primary challenge for Alaska, and this is we're we're currently uh, solely dependent on oil as wealth generation for the state. So 90% of our government is funded through the sale of uh, petroleum through the Alaska Trans-Alaska Pipeline. The uh, state originally had a great concept of um, utilizing this non-renewable resource uh, as a future wealth generation mechanism through the permanent dividend. And you see that in other Arctic countries of, of similar uh, resources, uh, whether it's Alberta or uh, Norway with their large sovereign wealth fund. Um, the, this issue of being very blessed uh, with a non-renewable resource, but leveraging that resource for the future, um, because at some point, just by definition, it's going to run out, it's going right. to be depleted. And in the case of Alaska, I mean, we we are the classic example of a like a one-trick pony. I mean, we, in terms of an economy, I mean, we do have fishing and tourism, but they're really minor actors 
uh, overall in the economy. The the real challenge, it's a, almost a race against time and political will, because at some point your lever to either diversify your economy or whatever your goals are will run out. If you don't use it wisely now, then you won't get a second chance. Mm-hmm. So uh, Alaska's case, it's um, there's not a lot of uh, foresight looking at uh, the future without oil. Um, the entire state policy, in my view, is based on oil policy, uh, primarily wealth generation. But there's very, very little attention in terms of Alaska's internal needs. So whether that's uh, like a sustainable energy infrastructure, uh, looking at ways of promoting or diversifying the current economy, um, it just is not taking place. And I think there's this inability to kind of see 20, 30, 40 years down the road or just this perception that you're kind of used to your annual permanent dividend check and, you know, you don't really see any troubles looming. I'm not really sure what it is, but um, unless we do something substantial, like in the next, literally the next, you know, 10 years, five years, it's going to be very, very difficult for Alaska post oil. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the discussion is post, you know, post oil, post, uh, you know, in Norway's case, post offshore oil, whatever it is, where, where does your country go? I mean, what, what do you do for an economy, for jobs, for you know, wealth? And I think c- countries like Norway in particular are really taking that long view to heart at this point. So looking at things uh, like using their natural gas and oil to leverage a renewable, sustainable energy infrastructure right. that's critical to future economic growth, development, or just a you know, sustained economy. Yeah, so I, in general, I think that's definitely the issue for Alaska and more broadly a a deep concern for other Arctic countries.